Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? Comics Podcast for the Savage Critics website. It's our grand finale to episode 21, and in it, Graham McMillan and I discuss our favorite books of the year. Graham gives you 10, I agree on 4, and I throw in another 3 or so. Regular listeners may think they'll know our entire list even before we start, but at least one title here has never been discussed on the podcast at all. So, we hope you enjoy, happy holidays, and thanks for listening. Jeff. Yes. Last podcast of the year. A quick one, because you've got lunch. <laughs> Let's go. Name your three favorite comics of the year. Well, okay, first off, wait, what do you mean this is the last one of the year? Are we taking the rest of the year off after this? Well, it's probably the last one that's going to go up, don't you think? I don't know. Maybe. I can actually probably put it up next week, unless things <gasps> are dramatically wrong. Okay, never, never mind what I just said. Uh... <laughs> Now, admittedly, I was being, I was very much of the, I'm going to put up episodes, you know, 20.1 and 20.2 tomorrow and Friday. So, I, I mean, in theory, I could hold that off and then do this. No, 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 no. Let's try and get as much done as possible. See, there we go. That's, that's the Graham McMillan ethic kicking in. Do more <laughs> exactly. all the time. Exactly. Should we start with the, because uh, listeners, just to give you some background, uh, I have to do a list of my top 10 comics published this year for CBR, and I sent that to Jeff mm-hmm. before this, and there's four we agreed on. That's so right. should, should we go through the four that we agreed on first? I, I definitely do. I think okay, be uh, first in that list was Kate Beaton. Basically yes. anything Kate Beaton has done this year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, because she's just great. I mean, really, Kate Beaton never puts out a bad comic. Have, yeah. you, have you seen the, the um, Quick Journal one she put up yesterday? I think yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I love those. Yeah. I mean, seriously, she's just really, really, she's a wonderful writer. I mean, she's a wonderful artist as well, but she's a really great writer. As a mm-hmm. comedy writer, she's really wonderful. <laughs> I, I love Kate Beaton. I do know. I, like, I completely love Kate Beaton. No, uh, I do too. Uh, yes, her work at, uh, if you guys, I'm sure ever, all of our listeners have been, you know, already hip to this, but if not, if you go to harkavagrant.com, that is Kate Beaton's web comics that she regularly updates. Um, she had some delightful entries in this year's Strange Tales 2 anthology from Marvel, which I think, uh, has been great. Um, really, really fun, funny stuff. Uh, and her, she's popping up all over. I think Kate Beaton is going to is big, and is going to be getting much much bigger in the next I don't know three or four years. But yeah, I really I really hope so. Kate Beaton's one of those people who just kind of wants to take over the world. Yeah, I I think she's doing pretty good progress when she's doing like I don't know box covers for Criterion and co- cartoons for the New Yorker, and it's kind of easy to imagine. I think so. Uh, yeah, she is. Her work is great and definitely one of the highlights of the year. Okay, Thor, the Mighty Avenger. Yes, poor Thor. Um, it's going to be. It's going to be. That's a book. I'm. I'm going to miss the hell out of that book. Uh, I know. Of course, it, it seems like pretty much a staple of our podcast for uh, us and especially you, Graham, to talk about the wonderful, wonderful art of Chris Samney, which is just absolutely fantastic. Uh, best best artist working in superhero comics these days. Yeah, I, it's it's. I, I'm very inclined to agree, but I also want to give a big shout out to I think Roger Langridge's scripts for. Some yes, I, I actually reread the the seven issues today the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And yeah, I, as, as much as I love the art, I don't think I really have given enough credit to scripts because he's just, it's, it's a really nice, charming book, which sounds like a complete, like, you know, I had a compliment, but it is, there's something really, not comforting, but it has a weird reassuring aspect to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he really manages to play with scale really well, I think. I think he manages, I think Jane really offers a human perspective. Mm-hmm. But I think Thor is just human enough and not human enough mm-hmm. to work as a central character. And I really like that version of Thor. Yeah. Uh, I, I, th- I think he, he really gets the kind of alien, kind of not alien balance just right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Thor is very much a is everything that I would I would love the Thor movie to be, and I know absolutely will not. Yes. So, did, did you see the trailer? Yes, I finally. As, as soon as the terrible like heavy metal music started in the trailer, I was just like, "Oh God, I'm checking out." <laughs> Why well, that? Like the first half of the trailer is Thor's badass, and then mm-hmm. the second half is here's heavy metal music. Lots yeah. of people are shouting, and I was really like, "This is your Thor movie." Yeah, not only yeah. like that, this is your Kenneth Branagh Thor movie. Yeah, well, it's... I, I'm I'm hoping it's a bad trailer for a good film. I really am. Uh, yeah, I kind of doubt it because, like I said, I was not thrilled with Iron Man two and the fact that recent news that John Favreau is leaving is not going to be back for Iron Man three. If if that doesn't end up, you know, being a uh, the case that could also have ended up being kind of a significant news story because I think that I think I, that... I had a wonderful um, email conversation with Jonah from CBR this morning about that because I'm oh. writing something about that this afternoon and he is he is really interestingly on the opposite side of is it good news or bad news for me mm-hmm. which I, I didn't expect I think it's I think it's bad news for Marvel I think uh, it's horrible news for Marvel myself and he is he is not of that opinion which I, I was kind of like, what? How, how, would you, how would you, what does that mean? How could it not be bad news for Marvel? And he, he made his case, and I was, uh, I was really interested. Well, do, do you want to let us in on that angle, or no? His case is essentially, he thinks John Favreau is outgrowing Marvel, and Marvel does not need John Favreau anymore because of the quality of Thor and Captain America. Which no one has seen, including him, but he's been to the sets of both. Oh and my it's God. like it's like but he's like based on what I've seen, I think Marvel have the right together and they will make the right choice for a replacement. Yeah, that 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 I'm I'm in on the opposite side of the spectrum, and I'm sorry if like standing around on a set uh, does not actually give me the no no I that's, that's, to say that's, that but that no but that's pretty much my response. As well, I I think that um it's one of those cases again where I think public opinion and what it seems like is as important as the reality and I think the, what it comes across as is Marvel has nickel and dimed Favreau out of the franchise Favreau is the only one right now who's made one of these movies work because let's not forget the Hulk was a bad movie yeah no one has seen Thor and Captain America yet yeah so the only franchise we know works is Iron Man yeah Iron Man 2 was not as good as Iron Man mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and, and not only and, that, Favreau's comments about Iron Man 3 before he left mm-hmm. are really concerning. Yeah. Did exactly. you see his interview where he's essentially like, I don't know what this movie is supposed to be in either as Marvel? Yeah. That's yeah. the point where like alarm bells were really ringing for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I, I, think, I think it's good for Favreau. 
I think I don't think Favreau's like he's going to suffer from this decision at all. Dude, the only um, thing that Favreau's going to suffer from is if Cowboys and Aliens doesn't end yeah, up. Yeah, if, if that time, if that time, he's in trouble. Yeah, I, I think he'll go back to Marvel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what I'm waiting to hear, like the the other shoe I'm waiting to drop, mm-hmm. is is Favreau going to stay on as a producer and star of Iron Man three? If he does, Marvel is not in the weeds PR wise. If he doesn't, they're fucked. Mm-hmm. No matter who they get, and in fact, I can only think of one director they can get to replace him mm-hmm. that would appease the fanboys at this point, and that's if Joss Whedon does it. If if Joss Whedon does Iron Man three, yeah, hmm. yeah, maybe. The, the reason I'm saying that is Favreau is on record as saying Iron Man three is seen as Marvel as a follow up to Avengers. Yeah. So I think it's got to be Whedon. Well, we'll see. I mean, I, I of course. Uh, the thing that strikes me is everything that Favreau was, seemed to be talking about was pretty much everything that I didn't like about Iron Man 2, with the exception of Favreau's own scenes as Happy Hogan. Uh, but, you know, the rest of it, it sounds exactly like everything that I'm worried about. Everything that I was looking at in, well, not everything, but a chunk of it in, in the Thor trailer, you know. The Thor, Thor, the Thor trailer just seems like tone deaf to me. It it's, is not what I want to see from a Thor from. Yeah, well, I, I it's not what I want to see, but whether or not that's what people what people actually want to see, what puts butts in seats, I think looking at Thor qualitatively, that trailer, there were things that were looked really shit about it. Like, oh, I, I thought all the Asgard stuff looked really, really hokey, and if it does not look better in the film, mm-hmm. I I think they're sunk. I, 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 well, there's that. I thought, but, I thought Asgard as a set looked terrible. Yeah, I, I thought, I thought some of that stuff looked. I, well, let's put it this way: that looked bad, but that looked bad in a way that I sort of want to see. The stuff where they had like six and a half minutes of Thor beating up those special forces guys. Yeah, but that's why I think the trailer is not going to be like the film, because yeah, half I, the fi- half the film is not going to be right. Thor beating up shields. I hope not because there was a lot of scenes that it was like well, he's beating the them up indoors, the then they're beating that's, them up outdoors. Yeah, it's the like, first half of the trailer is Thor beating up shield agents. Just which the fact that's really bad is just the fact that he's jumping up in the air and kicking them with both feet. Like I'm just like, what is this? Like, hey, Kirby had them doing that all the time. Do you not remember all those issues where Thor just like went martial arts on his enemies? <laughs> Remember when he met the Wrecking Crew and he just bemoaned the fact that he didn't have two more legs so he could kick them all at once? <laughs> that might be the best sentence ever uttered by human lips, Graham McMillan. The fact that you're able to put bemoan, the Wrecking Crew, and an extra set of legs all in the same sentence like fills me with like just flat-out joy. That Christmas is. joy. Yeah, indeed. If you want to dress it up that way, you could have been saying that at, during Armageddon and it filled me with Armageddon joy. That was just an amazing sentence. Hey, um, yes. I'm moving on. King City. King City. Fucking A. I still haven't read the last issue, though, yet. It'll make you want to reread the entire series if you're anything like me. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's true. Um, it's just, oh, he's just great. Brandon mm-hmm. Graham is just great. And it, it's funny. Did you see on Twitter the other day Tom Brevoort was saying essentially... Like, I've not seen an artist that has really exploded onto the scene in years. And Sean Collins and I are both like, oh, Brandon Graham. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, well, I, I, I'm just like, I don't even know what, what Brevoort was saying about that. I'm like, Chris Samney. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I can understand when he's not, you know, when he's, I, like, what is his definition of exploding onto the scene? Does he mean in like I, a... I think he means someone who has Todd the same... McFarlane yes, kind of someone has the same impact as the image guys. That's what it uh-huh. means. I see. Okay, well, yeah, I think that is certainly probably the case. Um, but, please. But no, I mean, Brandon Graham stuff is just... It's just great. And King City, I, I'm loving David Brothers' series that he's just started in Fourth Letter about mm-hmm. um, King City. Especially because the second episode is essentially King City's all about relationships. Because it is. Mm-hmm. You can strip all of the science fiction away from King City, and King City is a story all about a guy who's been dumped by his girlfriend and is trying to get over her and failing. Right. And it's 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 got such heart. It's it's so good. King City is, is just... People who have not read King City, even though we've talked about it at length on this podcast, you're really missing out. King City is so good. Yeah, definitely do yourselves the favor of, of, of picking up. I guess most people are waiting for the trade. Grab that goddamn trade when it comes out because it is, uh, it, it's, to me, it's just among the best pieces of comic art in that it is it, it has a whole world within its pages and yet it's also about recognizable human beings and it is also goddamn entertaining so pretty much everything that you want king city's uh, got it and the next one scott pilgrim yes the sixth and final scott pilgrim which i really wanted it to be spectacular and i think it was better than what i wanted it to be yeah yeah i think that's it i i think there's there's very few series runs of books uh, you know an, of an entire series where you can sit down where the 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 creator plants the landing and Scott Pilgrim 6 I feel really plants the landing it yeah it has all the little bits and pieces it has all the stuff of uh, you know the 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 fan service you would want it also makes just about all of the th- themes in the book very very clear and takes those themes and draws them to a natural, heartfelt conclusion. It it was really I, I, a great book. And when you talked about the fan service, what I really loved about the fan service was it gave you the fan service and then was like, but this is dumb and here's why. Yes. Without rubbing your face in it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, well, was, it was so well done. Well, and I think that's the other thing that I that works so well for me for that for, for the book, for Scott Pilgrim, uh, is not only is there that like we're giving you the fan service and here's why you shouldn't get it but there's that also manages to tie in thematically to the book about the importance of of moving forward and changing and being able to own up to your shit so you can do so like there is a way in which um in a very loving knowing way uh Scott Pilgrim is is very much a I don't want to say a condemnation of nostalgia, but a very... Oh, it's definitely a, a warning against nostalgia. Yeah, it's a warning against nostalgia, and it's and it's uh, a celebration of, ultimately, of the joys of moving forward. And yes, I, I, I was I was going to say growing up, but yeah, moving forward, try it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I think that that really ends up being... Just kind of spectacular because it tie it ends up tying into everything that's going on in the book, you know, pretty much from the first volume, but in a way that uh, just really is unexpected. So 
I thought it was fantastic. I'm kind of surprised every once in a while I see some people making the case for the Scott Pilgrim movie, which I thought was great, but kind of saying that they felt that the you know final volume of Scott Pilgrim was a letdown. And I wish I had written this down so this wasn't just vague ad hominem you know, statements, but I'm kind of surprised that anyone would think that way because Scott Pilgrim 6 really was. I, yeah, I it, was, it was in no way a letdown. Scott Pilgrim 6 was just amazing. I mean, yeah. really, really great. And makes me really impatient for what Brian Lee O'Malley is going to do next because if nothing else, the level of craft yes. he achieved in Scott Pilgrim 6 is just a, like so good. Yeah, it's really, really staggering. Uh, and compare the sixth book to the first book. I mean, he is he has evolved as a creator mm-hmm. so quickly, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so publicly as well. Well, I think that's the thing that's really super amazing to me is to go from volume one through volume six. It's like watching somebody grow up in public, but somebody who was, you know, talented in the beginning, and yes. then when you see where they are at the end, it's just like Jesus Christ. This is this guy is like. You know, I, I, I think it would be really silly for anyone. I'm sure someone, of course, will make the case, but it's very hard to deny, I think, that O'Malley is, a, is now is a significant talent. Uh, and oh, I, I, yeah, I, I, you can't, how can you deny that? How? I, I, that's, that's insane. I mean, I'm sure someone will, but, right. the, but they're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just put it that way. So, uh, do you want to talk about two or three of your books that are also on the list? That I will, I will go through the rest of my list, and you can just pull things out and tell me that you want more, or just we can speed through because I know time is of the essence. Um, okay, the rest of my list is Stumptown, the Greg Rucker, Matt Southworth only series, which you and I talked about in email yesterday. Uh, you were thrown off because of the delays, but when the trade comes out. It's really good. You should pick up the trade. I'm looking forward to the trade. It is one of those situations where the first issue struck me as great, but it just didn't come out often enough for to be on my radar. Re- so. Put this way, the rest of the series lived up to the first issue. That's um, fantastic. And I, 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 it's funny. I really, really loved it. Um, but one of the reasons I love it is because it's a pilot episode, if that makes sense. Like, I love it because of the promise it has for more as much as I love it for itself. Uh, I guess which is my way of saying it's not a complete work, but mm-hmm. I'm really okay with that. Right. Um, Parker, the outfit, the, right. the um, Darren Cook book, which, which is just again the level of craft in there is staggering to me. And there, the there's just things he does when he moves into the the prose section, for example. Mm-hmm. It's just it's beautiful. It's it, it's it's one of those things where you're like, oh, you're just showing off. Really, you're just showing off how good you are. Right. Um, I know that you weren't as massive a fan of it as I was. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just, it, it all worked for me. Yeah, here's something that I actually want to jump on briefly because the other ones, like I said, there's ignorance and quibbling and stuff. Parker the Outfit is one where I felt very strangely disappointed by the book when I read it. And admittedly, I got it later after various degrees of hype. I think it is absolutely a is is a technical show-stopping triumph. It is a I think possibly I think he screwed the pooch as far as the story goes. I think he made some really bad decisions. It ended up 
to me, once you take away the technical joy and thrill of it, it's actually kind of a static, um, undramatic story. And what's fascinating to me is having read the originals, although a long time ago, uh, and I never even made it all the way through the entire Parker cycle. I just, at a certain point, became obsessed with buying them, and then they sat on the shelf forever. But I did make my way through the outfit. And one of the things that I think might have been a, a mistake, as necessary as it seemed, is by taking the man with the getaway face smushing it down like I I loved it when it was released as a standalone seeing it here in the book I felt derails the narrative and the tension in a way that the from which the book never recovers really yeah I I can I think that there's uh, probably more sensible readers will come up with uh, things to point out to me and prove why it's wrong but by having the man with the getaway face by having Parker have an, uh, an entire planned heist before the heist sequences begin, it ends up removing a lot of the narrative uh, force from it because Parker understandably drops out of the narrative for the sequences where other people are pulling the various scams. And then I think Cook very cleverly has him come in as a background player in one of the scams, mm-hmm. which is clever. But but by that same token, by that point, I felt that because we'd already seen a very well-done, well-developed heist in The Man with the Getaway Face that also had um, enough personal... Uh, motivations for Parker to it that it really sapped the energy out of that last third and all you really have going for it well maybe that middle sequence what you really have going for it at that point is just Cook's technical brio but See, I... that, that's really interesting because for me first of all removing Parker from the heists in the I mean it's, it's the second half of the book or, or the, yeah, the second the half third, or the second third, third, third or, or something yeah 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 um, really worked for me uh, in the same way that having the man with the getaway face in the first third worked for me because it separates... For me, it takes the heist element almost out of the story. The story becomes more about Parker's motivations for everything as opposed to becoming, oh, it's all about the the heist. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? I think it makes the story less a heist story, Mm quote-unquote, than the story about Parker trying to... No, the heists being a, a, a means to an end. Mm-hmm. Um, I had I I hadn't considered it the way you're you're talking about it, and it makes me want to reread the book and see if I I get the same thing. <laughs> One of the reasons I think I didn't get that was I'd pretty much reread the Man of the Getaway Case just for reading the outfit again. Mm-hmm. And so I think if uh, I think I read that sequence differently, if that makes sense, I almost mm-hmm. skipped it because I was so familiar with it. Right. And we- so I didn't I didn't have the ability to for it to sap anything because I was pretty much like, I know this anyway. Do you know what I mean? Right. And you jumped over it and I read through it and I found myself admittedly, it was a little disappointing seeing it shrunk down and in different tones. So I kind of felt like the sequence had a lot more vigor at the larger sized and with it does the sequence sequence actually definitely reads very differently in the two different books. Yeah. And so uh, part of it might've been the, Oh, it's the same thing here, but I don't like it as much. And then, by the time that you end up kicking in to the 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 rest of the sequences, I feel that it's 
it's been undercut because you already have an entire thing sort of compressed in there. So I can see why he made the decision. I think that it was a mistake. I think it was a, it ended up being a craft mistake that, that ends up counting against the book for me. I think you're wrong. <laughs> Moving on, how to understand Israel in 60 days, mm-hmm. um, which I know I've talked about before in this podcast, the uh, Sarah Glidden book. I think I've just gotten her last name right. Um, the vertical book, which is just lovely. It's, it's really nice. It's uh, it's autobio from vertical. It's it's just it's it's a really good book. Um, it's it's one of those books that is not for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the people that it's for will really get a lot out of it. It's an incredibly well done book, and I, I again want to see much more from Sarah Glynn. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Stay Tripper, which again I've talked about on here before. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fabio Moon and Gabriel by It Looks Beautiful, It's Magical Realism, which I am a, a ridiculous fan of as a, a, a genre. Um, it, it, in a weird way, it's a feel good comic mm-hmm. um i i just i got an awful lot out of it um and the wild kingdom the kevin the kevin Huizenga right um book is I, i'm still troubled by it but i it's one of those ones where i'm so troubled by it that i can't help but think that it's wonderful right like it sticks with me so much i'm like oh that's great <laughs> i you know i reread it and think i'm still very disturbed by this book <laughs> um, <laughs> But no, it, it's 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 very well done uh, and completely deserving. And the last one, for the purposes of the comic book resources poll, is down as Batman and Robin because they go for runs of comics as opposed to story arcs. But really, it'd be the Batman Robin Return of Bruce Wayne cycle, right? Which um, pretty much encapsulates all of Batman and Robin as well as the Return of Bruce Wayne, Wayne as well as seven hundred one, seven hundred two of Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just. I thought it was bold in a way that I would not expect from a franchise like a Batman book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe more importantly for me, leaves the franchise in the healthiest state it's been in years. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's one of those few, everything you know is different things where enough is different to make it seem interesting. Right. Without breaking the book, without, you know... Daredevil's possessed by a demon, or Spider-Man's dead, or one of the Fantastic Four is dead, or Iron Man's dead. You know what I mean? <laughs> did, you, did you not see the, the Iron Man dies teaser for Iron Man 500 yesterday? No, I didn't. Yeah, I was, and it's, I I, it's like you were making that up. No, it's like that. it's a flash forward or something. Yeah, there's the part of the script for Iron Man 500 has Tony Stark dying. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, will Iron Man die? And I'm like, I really hope not, because, dude, seriously, you're killing off everyone and it's getting boring. Yeah. Um, but no, it, it's it's the Batman revamp. I I really like, there's there's an awful lot about it I really liked. I'm not sure it completely came together properly, mm-hmm. but the, the intent and the execution are both pleasing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's my 10. Very what about nice. you, sir? What about you? Well, okay. I, as you know, uh, there's a few of these like day tripper and how to understand Israel, uh, that I'm looking forward to. And I think that I'll enjoy tremendously when I get to them. Uh, 
you know, I was running around a lot yesterday and I kept thinking like, I've got to sit down and make a list. I've got to sit down and like grab, there's like so much stuff that is out in storage that, you know, my memory is like for shit, things that I'm still behind on that I'm looking at that I'm like, oh, I'm certainly, you know, sure that this would make my list, but I can't really say because I haven't really read it yet. So I'm, I'm going to keep things pretty brief and, and just throw in a, a few things because interestingly enough, I feel this is my year of like almost greats. Like I, I don't know if I could definitely make a list of my top 10, but like Parker the Outfit, brilliant enough that I would throw it on my top 20, but I, I couldn't put it in the top 10. I couldn't put okay, it in the top but, five, but, right? But sure. would, you put, put, would you put the man with the getaway face as a separate release? Did that come out this year? Yep. Oh, well, then totally. Absolutely. Man with the getaway face. That was WonderCon this year. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. God, I can't believe that that was that recently. Absolutely. Man with a getaway face. Uh, I kept thinking it was like last year because I wrote about it like forever ago. So, Um, but but yes, the man with the getaway face one shot was fantastic. Uh, Hellboy in Mexico by... um, Mignola and uh, Corbin, I thought was a fantastic one shot that just, oh, with Dave Stewart on colors, that just managed to make me fall in love with the Hellboy character and the arc again. Just, just oozed beauty and style and was just a, at, at the core of it, also kind of a, a dumb punch em up Hellboy comic at like three ninety nine. I absolutely loved it. Uh, I have to. I know that you had mentioned uh, that that one of the thing that CBR left off the list were like reprints and collections, right? Wasn't yes. that the case? Yeah. Yeah. So fortunately, I'm not beholding to the rules. So I'm going <laughs> to, to someone else's rules. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm going to mention Marvel Masterworks Black Panther uh, Volume One, which collects the Jungle Action series by Don McGregor, Rich Buckler, and Billy Graham, which I have been waiting for. To be all collected. of your life. Yeah, all but, all but. From the time that I first read some of these things back in, like, trying to f- figure out where the hell they're going to mention that. 1973? 1970, 1973 is the first issue of uh, Jungle Action 6. And from 1973 through 1976, I must have started buying them, like, as they, you know, the back issues. And I remember buying the last issue of, of uh, Panther's Rage on the Stands. This is, yeah, so it's a book that I've been waiting about 30, 34 years to actually have in my hands, and it's great. It's everything a Don McGregor fan and a Black Panther fan could want. The coloring's fantastic. The thing that, the introduction by Don McGregor's incredibly revealing about sort of how hard and how painful uh, I think it was for him and Billy Graham and Rich Buckler to really put together this series kind of under the radar. Um, And it's also an amazing book for the work of of Billy Graham himself, who I remember thinking at the time was a little disturbing and grotesque, and his panel layouts were, you know, very, uh, maybe even a little too flashy. I had fallen in love with the book with the first very, you know, Rich Buckler at his most... Kirby Basima ish um, but looking back on it now with hindsight picking up picking it up 34 years later Billy Graham's storytelling and his cartooning and his just his overall chops 
are fantastic. It's it's really an incredible piece of work. I couldn't be happier that it's it's on my on my shelf finally, uh, and and would have to be my hands down my my pick for the thing that I'm oh so incredibly grateful for this year in comics. That is is there more or is that I there's only <laughs> two things you're happy for? <laughs> No, 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 no. There's other things. I just kind of, I'm just sort of like, I'm having trouble thinking of like, because I'll be honest. It's, it's, I'm... it's funny. I really, if when we first got noticed that CBR wanted us to have a top 10, I was like, I have no idea what came out this year. And it right. took them sending me a list of releases for me to be like, oh, okay, that came out. Yeah. And, and like literally just like going, didn't like that, didn't like that, kind of like that. I basically deleted everything until I had like 20. And then I was like, okay, now we'll try and order everything in. Yeah, see, and I was actually thinking about asking you for that list so that I could sort of piece things together because I know there's stuff. Too late, Jeff. Yes, I know, I know. There's stuff that should have made this list, like 20th Century Boys, probably. But I'll yeah, yeah, I, I was thinking, I was thinking about Pluto. Yeah, what well, came really, really close. Um, yeah, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I don't. I still don't know how I feel about the end of Pluto. Yeah, I think. I ended up holding off on Pluto because I thought it began publication in 2009. So, <laughs> oh, oh, it, it did, but the last books came out this year. Oh, okay. So I wasn't sure if that would count. I would put Pluto on there, 20th Century Boys, I'm behind on. I don't necessarily think that I've read... I'm not sure if I've read any enough issues this year. Like, I could say, like, the stuff that I read was fantastic, but then I fell so, behind. 20th Century Boys has honestly really fallen off for me when they did the time jump. Yeah, and I don't... I don't and then, I, then really started playing for time, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, which I've heard, and I, I'm, I'm actually farther behind than that. So, but put it this way: I can believe it's twenty-two volumes now, given how little has happened. In the last <laughs> <laughs> which is a shame because those first six well, it or eight started volumes off so well. Just, yeah, it started yeah. off so well, and I still don't really understand why they did the time jump. Yeah, and also, I'm not really sure I understand what the series is about anymore either. Yeah. Um. But no, Pluto was Pluto's really close to being up there, but I'm just not sure about how it ended. Um, I, I said this in CBR yesterday and, and haven't really, you know, it's not really worked into this, but uh, I got a book from Fantasy Graphics in the mail the other day, which I'm convinced is already my book of next year. Ah. A book called Stigmata. Uh-huh. Um, which is coming out next month in January. Mm-hmm. And it's just... As someone who loves Dave McKean's art in cages and thinks that that's the best McKean ever got in terms of um, line work, uh-huh. um, I, oh God, I think his, the name the guy's name is Lorenzo Mazzotti. Uh-huh. Um, his artwork is just breathtakingly beautiful. It's one of those things that even if the story was bad, and the story is not bad, it's actually a really well-written graphic novel, the art alone would make me just worship this book. Wow. It's it's jaw droppingly lovely art. Um, the story is about a bartender who suddenly develops stigmata, and society, the learned people in society, shun him because they essentially say he's a bartender. So it's not stigmata; it's some sort of weird bleeding. Mm-hmm. The the common folk start worshiping worshiping him as if he's a saint. Mm-hmm. Uh, and terrible things happen to him continually. Wow. Uh, some as a result of the worshipping. For example, people leave candles outside his house and it ends up burning down his house, so he ends up homeless. Mm. 
some of the results of people violently refusing to believe that he's a saint, uh, which he never claims to be. He never makes any explanation or claims for what is happening to him at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they attack him and try and destroy him. Um, it's 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 wonderful. There's a section in the middle where um, he and I, this is not a massive spoiler. He is given uh, a collection of religious poetry to read. Uh, actually, maybe a collection of psalms. Can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and it goes off into maybe a ten fifteen page abstract sequence. Mm-hmm. Where uh, the artist illustrates the one of the, the poems he's reading, mm-hmm. that is just—it's one of those sections where you're just like, "Oh, comics are fucking awesome!" <laughs> um, like someone can illustrate a text like this in such an abstract way with such meaning, with such just lush, beautiful, amazingly intense line work. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's just it's incredible. It's so good. Uh, yeah, so that that's coming out next month, everyone, and you should all buy it. It's um, called Stigmata from Fantagraphics Books. Very nice. And, and really, genuinely, I, I read it thinking that it's actually already come out, and I read it with the point of like, I should read. I know I'm going to like this. I should read this in case it, it's going to go on my list for this year. Right. Uh, and it doesn't. It comes out next month. But I, it was one of those. Oh, okay. So this is what everything else has to beat next year. Right. Already. Wow. <laughs> that's nice. You know, uh, there's there is. I realized I'm like, oh, there's another book that I haven't talked about. It, again, it's that weird reprint thing of like, well, it came out new this year, but blah 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 blah. Um, I I will keep an eye out for Stigmata. I will also keep an eye out for the third volume of uh, Pipochu by Philippe Smith. I picked up the first two volumes in New York, and those blew my mind. They're published by Vert- Vertical. And I, I don't think I had much of a chance to talk about it here, but when I came back from New York, I remember ranting about it in, in the comic book shop for at least 15 minutes. Um, it's pretty goddamn brilliant. Pipachu is... Uh, have, I, have I talked about it with you? No. Okay, well then let me throw that on my list. The first two volumes by Philippe Smith. Uh, it, it was um, actually originally serialized... Uh, in Japan itself. He's an American artist uh, and it is a kind of brutal it, it well, kind of, it is an absolutely brutal satire of what's the right word? Uh, cultural covetousness maybe, I suppose. Like, there's a young kid in Chicago named Milton who hangs out at his local comic book shop to watch the latest episodes of Pipachu, this wildly popular anime that's completely bizarre. So it's him and a bunch of manga kids. And then there's the older comic reading adults who hate manga and, of course, the younger manga anime kids who hate the superhero books. And then there's the guy who works behind the counter of the comic book shop who hates them both, of course. Uh, And... Milton, who is uh, uh, an African-American kid who comes from sort of the inner city of Chicago, believes wants nothing more than to go to Japan so that he can fully express himself and be himself. And himself is this kid who watches Pipachu that 
basically dances around and acts like an idiot and wears like bright, happy costumes. And it's very much Pikachu is clearly a uh, um, a, a satire on Pokemon uh, mm-hmm. in terms of being the ultra cute uh, Kaiwai kind of uh, anime characters. As it turns out, the owner of the comic book store, who is a horrifically brutal, unstoppable killing machine slash assassin, gets a job that requires him to go to Japan to wipe out a, uh, a group of Yakuza gang thugs. And so therefore rigs a contest, which Milton ends up winning. Um, so Milton, the disaffective trash talking comic book clerk and the absolutely stone silent killing machine go to Japan. Meanwhile, in Japan, we've seen the characters get laid out. uh, And in what I think is a brilliant twist, you get to see all these Yakuza thugs who themselves watch and worship Hollywood American movies about African-American inner city youth, you know, shooting each other, killing each other, and, and rolling gangster style. So you have an incredible misunderstanding of two cultures, Japanese thug culture, misunderstanding American culture based on the, the, the trash culture that America puts out. Mm-hmm. And Japan, these, this kid completely misunderstanding what Jap- Japan's supposed to be like based entirely on the trash culture that Japan pumps out in the form of anime. And so needless to say, there is a very real cultural clash when the kid gets over into Japan and finds out what Japan's really like and vice versa. The other thing that I think is kind of brilliant is um, the unstoppable killing machine. His violent scene, the action scenes are unbelievably violent and in a weird way, kind of a very strange parody, not so much of superhero comics, but a parody of superhero of the ultra violence Strangely enough, the the unstoppable assassin who likes dressing up in bondage wear comes to resemble Kevin O'Neill's like uh, martial law. In like as each chapter progresses, he starts to look a little more like him. So there's levels of meta commentary that go on in Pikachu, while also being brutally nasty. Uh, it, it, honestly, I say this to you, Graham, and to the listeners. If you want to, if it's imperative to you that you need to read a thematically viable shit-eating sequence, make sure to read Pupachu because it really is. Funny you should say that. <laughs> and, and you're you're making this book sound amazing, by the way. It, I think it kind of is. A lot of people, I was stunned by it when I came back and started reading more reviews. A lot of people were like, "The satire is so mean and over the top that it comes off as flat." But I think that there's such a genuine sense of kind of both intelligence and outrage. Uh, interestingly enough, I think the thing that, that's fascinating to me is my, my theory is that Philippe Smith takes his cues um, less from manga and less from superhero comics. It's really John Chris Felusi strikes me as a very strong influence. Like the scenes of the kids dancing around doing the Pikachu dance is so much like Ren and Stippy's happy, happy, joy, joy sort of dance. So there's a level of, if you like that sort of Ren and Stimpy 
level of grotesquerie, really, then this I think the book's really going to work. I don't think there's a lot of people for whom they're into that level of John K level, just absolute, you know, just kind oh, of uh, like... I, I am one of those people. You're honestly oh, really? saying more and more oh, in this. My goodness, I had no idea. Because uh, I kind of wasn't, but I think it's done to such great ends. I think there's sort of a, a an almost heartbreaking like there's scenes of it that are really funny in a very cruel way and there are scenes that are very clearly the outrage of a disappointed optimist i suppose that makes made the first two volumes of Pikachu. like i just tore through those two things um again whether or not they came out I think they came out from vertical this year. They were obviously done in Japan like a year or two years previously. I think that it, I think they're pretty, it's, it's a stunningly over the top book. And, and you, you have to, favorites. you have to spell the titles. So like, you know. <laughs> I will. It's Pipo P E E P O in second letter. Second word is Chu C H O O. It's by Philippe uh, F is in Frank E L I P E Smith. Two volumes currently out from Vertical. The third volume is supposed to be out soon. It's it's pretty staggering. Pretty pretty significant work, I think. I shall definitely be looking for that one, sir. Thank you. Uh, keep in mind, like I said, I seem to be. Everyone else seems to be like, eh, it's aight. I think David Brothers actually quite likes it, but I haven't seen him quite like. After I finished that first volume, I was walking around in a daze, just jabbering at everybody about it. So, um, it, and it was probably because we weren't podcasting then that that you somehow missed out on it, and me talking about it. But yeah, from Vertical, People Chew, I really dearly loved it, uh, and I'm fascinated if the third volume manages to plant the landing because there are parts in volume two where I was like, I don't, where I didn't think he was pulling it off and then yeah, he turned back around. And it. Yeah, exactly. So, so there we go. I think I've pumped up my two to an anemic, uh, three or four. <laughs> I, I will take it, sir. As, as I, as I stretch and yawn, you have lunch dates to go to. Yes. With the lovely, uh, Lauren Davis, who is, thankfully embarrassed by our love fest for her the other day. Yeah, that was kind of great. It's going to be really amusing to see her at lunch. And of course, I'm a lucky dude because she's going to have a copy of her book for me on... Um, I'm very jealous. <laughs> yeah, on USB key. So I, I can't wait to, to read that. Hopefully it'll it'll end up making our list next year. We'll see. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that book as well. That and um, Pop Up's Battling Boy. Oh God! Are yeah. like are like my two two books that I'm really really looking forward to. There just hasn't been enough Paul Pope out this year. I really we need we need more. Well, next year I think Batman Boy should you know touch wood. Yeah. Oh no, it won't be coming out next year. Will it? it might be done next year, but it won't be coming out. Yeah. It, no, because the first second works far far ahead. Yes, God bless him for that. But still, how painful. But, yeah, yeah, it, it's probably going to be 2012. Damn it! Damn it, comics. Foiled again. <laughs>